Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Welcome to this session on lust, lust on the internet. My name is JD, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Can can you hear me? Okay. How's that? Oh. <laughs> Welcome to this session on lust on the internet. My name is JD, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. I'll be your leader for this session along with Bob S. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session will be recorded. Uh, We will, uh, why don't we open the session with uh, the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The essay purpose Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for essay membership. We are self supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. We do not cross-talk, that is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not in the we or the you. We leave our identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meetings focus on the essay approach to recovery, so whenever possible, We avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not essay-approved literature. We avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. When sharing strays, we can remind each other of our commitment to these guidelines by quietly raising our hands. Uh, As I've said, I'm J.D. I'm a sexaholic, and I'm going to be leading the panel along with Bob S. And um, I've been asked to share for a few minutes on my own experience uh, with lust on the internet, and uh, I've asked Bob to make sure and 
watch the clock so I don't get too long-winded and then Bob will share for a few minutes and then we'll open it up for those of you that would like to share. Please come to the microphone to do so. And uh, uh, go from there. I came into SA uh, in 2000 and I could not stop. And um, for me, lust on the internet was crack cocaine. And I've never done crack. But when I got on the internet, it could be, you know, a picture on a newspaper site. And one click and I was off to the races. I could not stop and my drinking lust and looking at images and drinking got worse and worse and worse. And I tried to stop. I was powerless and I didn't realize it. So, you know, I wanted to say that I could handle going to a swimsuit calendar and just looking at women that were that had on, you know, bathing suits. I wanted to say I could handle it and I couldn't. I wanted to say that I could go into a chat room and visit with a woman while I was playing spades or playing hearts. And what's the big deal? Well, for me, I didn't realize it was lust. And really, my problems got a lot bigger than that. My problems got into pornography. My problems got into hooking up with a woman on the Internet and having an affair was someone who told me she was 23 years old and I found out later she wasn't. Imagine that. So, you know, what I've learned in the rooms and all I have, by the way, is my experience. My experience is I'm powerless. And I work my, my recovery around everything in my, my life around lust. And for me, the computer has been a huge thing to learn how to take care of myself on. And that is, in my experience, what I'm here for. I'm here today as a recovered sexaholic. And the reason I'm a recovered sexaholic is I've learned how to take care of myself. And as many of you have probably heard about, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, for me, I go often to the internet to medicate. I was feeling something. And when I first came into the, room, to the rooms, and my sponsor suggested that I read about hungry, angry, lonely, tired, the, those, you know, that's, that's the basics. And for me, you know, sometimes it, 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 it ended up that I was in a lot of fear, or I was in a lot of loneliness, or I was in a lot of uh, shame around my addiction. And so, gradually, I started coming to meetings and um, gradually started recognizing I couldn't handle lust in any form. I knew that I had to stop looking at the porn. I knew I had to stop going to chat rooms. I knew I had to not hook up with women and try to meet women I'd never met before. But I thought I could handle the other things. I thought I could handle the spades and the hearts. I couldn't. I can't. I'm powerless. It's lust. So... Um, my experience with uh, lust, how, do, how, do I, how did I stop? How did I change? How have I changed? 
Well, the first thing I did was meetings, and the second thing I did is get a sponsor and call my sponsor and check in on Lust and, and call my sponsor when I wanted to go to the Internet or when I felt that pull, when I was needing to be on the computer for a legitimate reason. And one of the tools I've used, and I, I don't have a, a filter right now on my computer. I've got a little over two years of sobriety right now, and by the grace of God, I don't have a filter. And that could change. But for about seven years in this program, I had a filter. And it was called Safe Eyes. It was a wonderful tool. And it really helped me get some clarity. It really helped me get some sobriety. It really helped me get a distance on the insanity, the constant. I, you know, when I got on the internet, I was crazy. I was a different person. I didn't want to tell you that. I didn't want anybody else to know that. But you talk about double life. You know, in a business world, trying to do business things, and walking out of my office and Here's JD, and I was a different person. On the inside, I was a mess because of this issue with lust on the internet. So, um, my experience is, and Bob, I don't know where I am on time, but um, one of the things that I learned, you know, not only not only calling my sponsor, but going to meetings and getting phone numbers of guys who've got some sobriety under the belt and getting some phone numbers so I, if I need to make more than one phone call I can do that the phone has been when I first came into the rooms the, the phone weighed 800 pounds and now that I've been coming around a while the phone isn't as, as heavy and it's easier to pick it up and make a phone call and talk about what's going on particularly around anything with lust but for me, there is a distinction between a phone call and what I call an SOS call. An SOS call is when I am in deep trouble. I've already gone past the line that I'd already set, and I need to make a phone call and say, Bob, I'm in deep trouble. Here's where I am. Here's what I need to do. Can you meet with me? I've done it before. I have called people in SA and said, can you meet with me? I'll meet you at a coffee shop. I'll meet you wherever. I've got to stop. There's one tool. Second tool, um, and very, very valuable for me, has been meetings, meetings, meetings. You know, when I go to meetings, I hear about who I am. I have a great deal of gratitude for where I am today in my recovery. But when I go to meetings, I hear about what I, what I really still am. You know, I am grateful to be sober today, but I have to go back to meetings and work the steps and call my sponsor and do the deal. And, you know, I'm sponsoring somebody right now who's had more consequences who's having more consequences as a result of being on the Internet than I've had. But that could have been me. And if I go back, it will be me. So, you know, sponsoring, 
in my experience, has been a huge tool in helping me stay sober and keeping me from going back to the Internet. Because when I get a phone call from a guy who's struggling with the law and the consequences from the acting out and the behavior and the crossing the legal boundaries, it really helps me remember. Um, I don't know that I have a whole lot of other things I want to say at this at this time. I just would say that uh, this program has given me a new way to live, and that um, as I continue to come back to meetings, as I continue to work the steps, as I continue to call, journal, um, and take care of of me it gets better. You know, I have more clarity today. I have more focus today. I have more freedom today than I've had in my life. I am coming to know a man that I was always intended to be without the acting out and without the powerlessness, without the unmanageability, and without the can't stop. So I'm extremely grateful to be in front of you today and tell you that you know I can't handle the internet I, I'm in a business world I'm you know today I have a a wall at my office where it's not a problem for me to be on the internet I do my wife and I've reconciled she moved home two years ago um, you know I'm safe right now in my in my home environment with my internet use but I can also tell you from my experience I could change so, I'm just a vulnerable guy with a little bit of time right now. I'm grateful, but it is just today. So, I'm really grateful to be here and grateful to be sober. And I'll uh, pass the baton to Bob. My name is Bob, and I am a sexaholic. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm qualified to be here uh, apparently because prior to getting sober, I would spend 16 to 18 hours a day sitting in front of a computer. Uh, I would not leave my house uh, as long as I didn't have work scheduled. I was in the house sitting in front of the computer. Um, I did not know any other way to be. I had run off uh, my family uh, probably subconsciously intentionally you know yeah I didn't want them to go but I wasn't willing to stop my behavior um, I do need I think I need to say I don't know if I need to say it or not but my uh, my recovery has included um, individual therapy, group therapy, intensive inpatient treatment, not necessarily in that order. In order, uh, couples counseling, which quickly led to individual therapy, which led to um, group therapy. Two weeks after group therapy, I started coming to SA meetings regularly. I realized I was straddling the fence on making a decision um, and came to the point where I gave up. 
I gave up trying to make Bob's will work in the world. Um, started coming to meetings on a regular basis. Um, shortly thereafter, I quit stalking my ex-wife. Uh, went to inpatient treatment, came out, and continued in essay recovery and, and the other stuff. Um, I was blessed to have been fired from my job at about 15 months sober um, and, and got to go to lots of meetings um, between uh, three or four meetings a day. Sometimes two, between two and four meetings a day. Um, and I can tell you that in the first two months of my sobriety, I didn't know where I was or what day of the week it was. I was disconnected from reality. Um, and it's only been in the last, you know, year. I got married just short of two years ago. Um, and I'm really seeing the depth of my disconnection from reality. Uh, my first instinct is not to walk toward fear. My first instinct is not to be honest. Um, my first instinct is to separate and, and remove myself from any situation which my mind perceives as uh, which would give me fear. And most of the time it's not based in reality. Most of the time um, it's based on history. You know, it's all in my head. So when people say, hey, Bob, how you doing? These days I say I'm better off if I don't think about that. <laughs> and it's very true. It's just so true. Um, and it's not to... There's so many paradoxes in this, in recovery. Um, what was good in the beginning may not be so good later on. Um, It took me 50 years to come to a place where I realized um, my way didn't work and that I needed help. It took me 50 years to become willing to ask for help. I'd been seeing a therapist for six months who on a regular basis said, Bob, quit drinking, throw away your porn, go to SA meetings. In six months I went to three or four meetings. And something happened. Um, one day I was sitting on the couch, just come home from work. I was sitting on the couch, had a drink. And it was that time when I'm going to go back to the computer. And, you know, I'm living alone. And it dawned on me that what is the use? It's been the same. It's going to be the same. Nothing's going to change. And it is not going to be enough. At that point, I had I had downloaded and uh, burned 800 gigs of pornography, and I was nowhere near. I mean, I hadn't scratched the surface. And you know, I, at one time I called it my hobby, and spending 16 or 18 hours a day doing something is not a hobby. 
<laughs> I was good at it, though. Um, and when I quit, now this is weird. I was an alcoholic, sex addict. I quit. There was a half a there was a quart of vodka in my freezer, and I kept my internet cable internet connection, and I did not act out for a year. Um, I, I got sober in January. Around November, I started thinking, you know, oh, I'm I'm visiting recovery websites now. I'm spending two hours a day, three hours a day, sitting in front of a computer at a recovery website. And it dawns on me, I'm still not with people. And I uh, made a decision to disconnect cable TV, disconnect the cable internet, um, in hopes of, of reading more literature. And... Uh, it was it was not an issue. I, I did it to see what it would be like. I still don't have the internet. Um, I go to the library to use the internet, and I don't. It's not because I think I'll act out. Um, my recovery today is not about not acting out. I my my biggest challenge is to get along with another human being. How am I going to get along with the boss, my wife, whomever? Um, and and I don't have very many skills in this area. Um, but today I have hope. When I stopped, when I sat on the couch and thought, "What's the use?" I was hopeless. And um, by taking part in the fellowship of SA in particular, I had gone to AA before and I did not connect. I didn't know how to open myself up and to be known. Um, I didn't know how to ask. I asked one guy to be my sponsor. He said no. I didn't ask anybody else. And in SA, I was tricked into, they assigned me a sponsor. They tricked me. They really did. Some dude, some dude said, and you know how in the amazed they always say, if anybody needs a temporary sponsor, whatever that is, anybody needs a temporary sponsor, see me after the meeting? This guy says, who doesn't have a sponsor? So I was so mixed up, I raised my hand. <laughs> I did not use the guy. I did not call him. I didn't know how. I used to sit in a meeting and wonder, you know, the meeting's over, the guys break up into threes and fours, and they're talking and laughing. How do you do that? And I had to say that in a meeting. I don't know how you guys do this. And then they asked me out to breakfast, and slowly, over time, you know, I'd go sit at a table like this, and the guy on the right of me would be talking to the guy on the left of me, and I wouldn't know what I had. I did not know how to interact. You know, I knew how to gaze at the computer. And uh, one day I wound up at a table with a guy who had something in common with me, and we talked, and I connected. 
One guy became two and more. And it took a while. It took, uh, for that, it took probably six months, nine months. Um, I think, I didn't work my steps quickly. Some people say work steps, steps, steps. I went to meetings and I went out to dinner after the meeting on Friday and Saturday. And I got to be known. I got one day I sat in the room and I realized I know I used to not be able to remember names. You know, I was so up into my head. And one day I realized I knew everybody's name going around the room, 20, 30 people. Um, and then eventually that became not healthy for me. There were women that went out and I was I didn't even know what lust was. I'm 15 months sober. I don't know what lust is. And when I was about 18 months, I discovered for me what lust looks like. And uh, that's another story, but it was coming home from a convention, an uh, international convention. So, I don't know how to give anybody sobriety. You know, all I can do is share what I've done, what's worked for me, what's not been so good for me. Um, I think it comes... You know, they, there's a saying that when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. You know, I have to, I have to take ownership of my recovery and the the efforts, the little things that are that seem to be required. It seems to be pretty common between most sober people. You know, they go to meetings, they call their sponsor. They, you know, the longer I'm sober, the better I know the literature. Um, because now I can relate to it. You know, not because it, it told me and then I had the enlightenment. It's sort of like it happens and now I can relate to what it says. Um, you know, I'm really glad to be here. I'm, I'm, and, and, it, and I just see for every little bit, my sponsor has this, uh, I don't know what it's called, illustration of what recovery is like. And he says if you if you take a if you take a flashlight and hold it, you're in a big gymnasium. All the lights are out and you've got a flashlight, you hold it right down against the floor. What I know is that which is lit. And what I know I don't know is that little kind of twilight area around the flashlight and the stuff that I don't even know that I don't know is all the rest. And as the flashlight gets lifted up, what I know becomes a little more. What I know that I don't know becomes a little more. But there's still this freaking gymnasium. And uh, he tells me there's always more. And uh, it's challenging. It's challenging. But I know what the other was like. And uh, man, that, that's death. Spiritual death. So I think that's all I have to say. Thanks. J.D. Sexaholic. I'll tell you a quick story and then we'll uh, open it up and let those of you who have some experience, strength, and hope around lust on the internet to come up. I've been in the fellowship about two years here in Nashville and um, I was in my office. I don't know if I'd been in that program two years, but I'd been in it several months, and um, I couldn't stop. 
I could not stop going to sites, and I was in a hideous brawl as a result of my acting out in my behaviors with my wife. I was living at home in the basement and um, having a tough time making a living. And um, it was about 9.30, 10.30 at night, and I got a call from my sponsor. And my sponsor said, J.D., where are you? And I said, I'm in my office. And I'd been at the office on who knows what side, you know, connecting here, connecting there, looking at this, looking at that, drunk as all get out on lust. And my sponsor called and said, where are you? And I told him, I'm I'm at my office. And I remember what he said. He said, J.D., if you don't get this, you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your career. I don't know if it'll kill you. My, my judgment, I remember him saying this, is it will kill you. You've got to get sober. I consider that phone call one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received. I'll never forget it. I'll also never forget the night that I walked home. I hadn't had a drop of alcohol, and I literally walked to my car in downtown Nashville, two or three blocks from where my office was, and I was staggering. You know, for me, lust gets me drunk, and I was that night. And I, I kept coming back, trying to do this thing, doing this thing one day at a time. My experience is it does work. So we're going to open it up now for any of, any of you that uh, would like to share about your experience, strength, and hope around your recovery and around lust on the Internet. And My name is Ted. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I don't know how much time I spent on the internet during my life doing absolutely nothing. But um, in 2002, I uh, I had been the head of a uh, an accounting firm that my dad started about 50 years earlier, and we merged our firm into a much larger firm, a very very well respected firm in the New York area, where if I had been sober at the time, I would have been set for life. But, of course, that's not the story. The story is that two years later, in, uh, on, Janu- on June 23rd of 2004, I got called into the managing partner's office, and they pulled out a chart. And on the chart was my computer usage in the office. Forget at home. In the office. And they had this bar for how much time I spent on this work site and how much time I spent on this work site and how much time I spent on this work site. And then there was this bar of how much time I spent on one, on one pornographic site in the office. It literally went off the page. It went off the page. I walked out of that office. I didn't think I did anything wrong. These people were crazy. And I was really ticked off at them. Of course, I was summarily dismissed. I was thrown out. I wasn't allowed to go back to my office to pick up a pencil, let alone all my personal belongings. I cannot calculate the amount of money that I've lost because of it. 
of course it led eventually to my family being involved my reputation in my community I can go on and on and on but it also led me to this room it led me to this room and um, the wreckage of my past is like the Titanic what can I tell you but I'm here and uh, for the first two and a half years that I was in the fellowship I had no filters on my computers and I was able to remain, so, to remain sober I don't know how I did it at the time but I did uh, I'm no longer able to do that um, someone else mentioned a, um, a filter that um, they used and I used the same one and it, I find it to be effective enough um, I don't try to beat the filter I really don't try to beat it I know that it's there. I see the icon on my screen all the time, and maybe that's enough. I don't know. That's what works for me. But the bottom line is this. I don't need another reminder of what the Internet can do to me, or what I can do to myself via the Internet. It's probably a better way to say it. The Internet doesn't do anything to me. It's what I want to do. It's what decisions I make with my life. I can use it to Google all sorts of things, some good, some bad. I was telling someone on the plane down here this morning that um, my daughter picked up something uh, from that I bought 15 years ago when we were married, and I see her installing it to her TV set the other night. And I said, where did you find the, the instructions to do that? She goes, Daddy, I'm online. You Google it. I said, yeah, but I bought it at Radio Shack 15 years ago. She goes, they still have the manual online. <laughs> so, yeah, you can, use, you can Google all sorts of useful things. The question is, what do I want to do with my life? It has nothing to do with the internet. It has nothing to do with the images. It has nothing to do with the dots on the screen. It has only to do with one thing. On page 58 of the Blue Book, it says, Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have, and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. To me, that means need a filter, put a filter. Need to change my cell phone number, change my cell phone number. Need to throw away my cell phone, throw away my cell phone. Need to turn off internet, turn off internet. Need to turn off cable, turn off cable. Need to live in a cave, live in a cave. Whatever it comes out to be, I know what the other side of the tracks is like. I've been there. I lived there for a very, very long time. When I make the decision that I want what you have and I'm willing to go to any length to get it. And my sponsees give me all these reasons why they can't change their email address. It's impossible. I can't change my phone number. Well, you know what it would mean? People have to call me. Yeah, I know who's going to call you. You don't need those phone calls. We must, and it's in the white book as well, holding on to all these vestiges are what kills me if I let him go if I'm willing to go to any length any length then I have a beautiful life in front of me thank you my name is Ramon I'm a sexaholic Ramon. I, I didn't take the internet problem serious because no other person was involved I take the I took the prostitution problem serious because there was somebody and <coughs> I could face the problem 
and it took me quite a long time to realize what the internet really does. The first problem is the extreme speed. I think the we have this three second roll three seconds roll to let things go. Three seconds is much too long for the internet. <coughs> if I see if I saw a picture in the internet it took me much less than three seconds to go down the road. Um, the other problem is I far too late realized that split personality problem the internet causes and the seed in my brain that is caused by the internet ideas. Via internet I can look into any brain of another person, any sick idea anyone has in his brain is in the internet and I can load that idea down into my brain. And all the other problems I, I saw I had problems were feed, were fed by the internet. And I still have these internet problems, but I now see that this is not... I, 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 a long time I thought, okay, uh, I have no money for prostitution, okay, I take the internet. It was an excuse for me. I thought it was the soft version of my heavier drugs. But in fact, it was the beginning of my way down the road. And <clears throat> any length together, I, I came from Germany, although I don't really have too much money, but I have no other choice. And I'm really glad to be here to see you all. Thanks. I'm Chad Coleman, sexaholic. Um, yeah, I qualify for this. Um, I, I, I think I viewed my first uh, piece of internet pornography in 1998, and by the summer of 2002, so figure four, four years later, I was, I, I couldn't get on my home computer for any reason without ending up surfing for porn. And uh, that summer, uh, I was, I had an, an experience, and uh, I was miraculously relieved of of that. Um, and haven't uh, haven't surfed for pornography since then. Um, what I would like to share, though, is what's been going on recently, because the the internet is a huge part of my life. And um, uh, and over the last year or two, I've I've started running into problems with it. I, for instance, I found out I can't go to a video sharing site, even even ones that have you know policies in place to prevent pornography. I I can't go to them. Um, and I learned that the hard way after about the third time um, when I found myself looking at stimulating but non-pornographic pictures or movies and I said, oh, this is a problem. Um, and most of my surfing is I go to sites that link to other sites, sort of link aggregates. And I depend on my filter to, to prevent me that second site from, from being a bad one. But sometimes, sometimes I get stimulating pictures that don't get filtered. And I've been struggling with this over the last year or so. 
And I finally decided to tell my sponsor about it. Um, <laughs> one of the things he says is, you don't have to do this alone, Chad. Um, and, 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 and what, so he told me, he said, um, okay, next time you do this, call me. So I did. And, and that was a change in behavior. Uh, and then he said, okay, now, next time you, you, you see an image like this, call me before you do anything, before you click through. Or even call me if you don't click through, but, but you get triggered, I'm paraphrasing. And uh, I'm up all, all different times, all different days, but he turns his phone off at night, so literally I'll call him at 2 in the morning and say, I got triggered and by a sexually stimulating photo and I didn't click through, bye. And, and, and that's, that's helping. Um, uh, I found that sharing it at meetings, sharing it with sponsees didn't help, uh, but I found sharing it with my sponsor for some reason helps. And um, he told me flat out that, that um, this type of stuff uh, is acting out, but it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a break in sobriety. Back, back in the day when I used to do porn, I would get in an altered state of consciousness for hours and hours, a warm, fuzzy, happy place. And just like... I imagine being on a drug, a mind-altering drug, and uh, that's where this all came from. He said, "Chad, that that was acting out, okay, and 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 this is where progressive victory over lust comes because, <clears throat> um, so so calling my sponsor has really helped, and um, I don't like it. I don't do it every time, but when I do it, it helps. That's all I got. Thanks." We still have time if if uh, <clears throat> more of you would like to come. One one tool that I would want to mention, or haven't, I don't know if I, I mentioned this, is, is bookending. Bookending is a great tool, and not everybody has the same job. But in my situation, a lot of times when I'm getting on the internet, it's for a purpose, and I can call someone, call my sponsor, and if I can't get a hold of, get a hold of him call someone else and simply say, I've got to get on the internet and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be on for about 30 minutes and this is my purpose. I've got to check this out. I've got to check that out. And I just want to let you know I'll be on about 30 minutes and I want to call you back when I'm done. It's a huge, huge tool for me. Because if I'm not in a good place, if I'm feeling something, fear, hurt, anger, whatever, and I need to make a phone call to take care of myself, before I get on the internet. That's recovery. Hi, I'm Chuck, recovering sexaholic. Uh, good to be with you tonight. I, uh, this is my first convention. I've been in the fellowship about a year and a half from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, I just wanted a couple comments on the internet because uh, it's been a particular problem for me. Um, my, my inappropriate use of the internet uh, has cost me a really good job and uh, it also got me in legal trouble. I crossed over legal boundaries and uh, the consequences of that are very, very far-reaching and terrible to be quite blunt about it. Um, 
So I just I wanted to make that point. Um, and I don't think the internet is a problem. I mean, I think it was me and how I used the internet that was the problem. Um, I, I guess that's it. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks. I'm Richard. I'm a sexaholic. I really uh, have been so nourished by the sharing that I've heard uh, this afternoon. Three seconds, less than three seconds. Oh, tell me all about it. I mean, the Google image search, you know, I, I have words just sitting there in my brain. All I need to do is type it in and click, and there it is. And it's just, it's just deadly. <coughs> and I've had filters I had covenant eyes. I, I have covenant eyes on my computer. I also have net nanning on my computer. <coughs> but um, one thing I've discovered is that with the covenant eyes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it was, it's, it has been very useful. But there came a certain point when I was so caught up in my compulsion that it didn't matter who else saw where I was going. It didn't matter. I didn't care anymore. I had no more shame around that. I was totally shameless. And I didn't care who saw it, and so I would just go anyway. I didn't care. Then we put Net Nanny on the computer as well. And, well, that wasn't foolproof either because there are things that Net Nanny doesn't, doesn't filter out. And I discovered my wife's password at a certain point, and that just, I had a heyday with that one. So I guess my, my, my point, what I've discovered here is that there is no foolproof way to block my acting out on the internet. The problem doesn't lie with the internet. The problem lies with my diseased attitudes. And, you know, I've got to, that's, what I, that's what I have to address. I have to address the diseased attitude, the sense of being disconnected from the higher power and needing to find another connection somewhere and having to find a real connection in another human being, sponsor, a meeting, something physical, something real, that conversation that uh, someone was speaking about with, with a real person. That's, that's the key for me. If I don't deal with that, then it doesn't matter what safeguards I put on the internet. I'm, I'm going to find a way because I'm an, I'm an addict and I will find a way. So uh, I, just, I just needed to, uh, to share that. Thanks. My name is Bruce and I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Bruce. Uh, yeah, a lot of things. I guess what was just said, I, what, when I'm, what I struggle with most with the internet is not the internet, but me and my, um, I'm looking for something. I'm in this state of mind where I, I'm needy and I'm looking for something and I don't have a clue what I'm looking for. I, the best I can call it is it. And it's out there somewhere and I'm going to find it. If I look far enough and long enough, I'm going to find it. And, uh, and I know what it is. It is my higher power and that is my, uh, what the program does for me is to help me to connect with my higher power. And so it's all about, for me, it's about a misconnection. Another thing that I use in my life to misconnect and to try to find what my lust is really looking for and um, and what but what my lust is really looking for is my higher power and that's where I have to get my value my worth my comfort my security all that kind of stuff and those are the kinds of things I'm looking for um, just as far as the power I, I'm a I am a sex sexaholic I have I have an allergy to lust and what that means for me is if I have a sexual thought 
and I indulge it for any length of time, it will inevitably lead to me somehow or other acting out sexually. And I have to be able to surrender that immediately because I am allergic to lust. And, um, and the Internet, just, just an example of that, I was working on a... By the way, I do have covenant eyes, and that's, that's, so far that's worked for me because I know, doggone it, Mitch and Travis and Bob are going to see this and I'm going to have to explain to Mitch what in the heck I was doing and he will not be happy with me <laughs> if it's someplace that I shouldn't have been. So Beck will ask me about stuff even when, when it wasn't all that bad. Anyway, I was on a composer's website, which is about as benign as you can get. You know, notes. And it was uh, during December and this, th these things just pop up, a pop-up ad of hot movies for the holidays. And, um, and I could not turn my eyes away. It was 15 seconds. It wasn't even pornographic. I mean, it wasn't graphically pornographic. But what that reminds me of is that this is the power that that sort of stuff ha has on me because I am a lustaholic. I'm allergic to lust, and that's why I need to be here, and I'm grateful to be here. I'll pass. Hi, I'm Dave, a recovering sex sexaholic. And uh, someone mentioned about the, the internet being crack cocaine. And my experience is kind of that. Uh, my first acting out experience was in about 1980, and it was with a prostitute. And uh, this is in the context of my marriage. And uh, I carried that guilt and shame for a year. It was not a good experience for me. Uh, I eventually told my wife. We went to some couples counseling at that time sex addiction I didn't know anything about uh, and I had remission for about probably 18 years because it was some time <clears throat> and certainly I probably had sex addictive behaviors and things like that but it, it was when the computer came out we got a computer in our house the internet and I started going on the internet and I was going into chat rooms and I was looking at pornography it was, it was probably six months a year all of a sudden I'm really acting out again uh, Boundaries I, I set for myself, I crossed immediately, met people offline, I had sex with them, uh, didn't take precautions, uh, and eventually the same thing happened and I just was in a downward spiral. And for me, the internet really set off my sex addiction, I think. Uh, and what can I say? Uh, this program, it was great to come to this program. Uh, getting the sponsor, working the steps, uh, and really surrendering the part of me that I, I just was so shameful about, uh, the things I was doing, uh, and just so willing to give up everything in my life that was good. Uh, a marriage, a person that I loved, um, I had two kids, uh, just willing to throw that all away for lust and uh, it was only through this program that saved me that I, I could find out hey I am a sexaholic uh, and I have the medicine which is the 12 steps and surrendering that and when I'm on the computer now I have for my work and there's a lot of things I do have to do uh, not always on the internet but on the computer but I don't feel that pull as much anymore before if I walk by a room with a computer in it I'd feel a pull, like a mag magnetism, like the computer has this power over me. And uh, I don't feel that today. 
and uh, I do have to be careful. On some sites like Facebook, uh, I limit my time on them because I just sometimes feel the that strange feeling coming over and begin, especially when someone wants to be my friend. You know, <laughs> I can easily fall into that. But this program works, and I, it's a miracle. I have four years sobriety, and I still have a marriage, and I'm very grateful for that. Thanks. Hi, my name's Bob. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I guess the, the first thing I'd have to say is this, that uh, lust is the driving force behind my sexual acting out. And lust for me starts in my ears, and that's where the first drink is. And that's where I get drunk. And once I get drunk, just like a alcoholic can take a first drink in Cleveland and wind up in Paris in the morning, uh, I can take a first drink and do anything you could possibly think of. And of course, the Internet was an integral part of my acting out. And I work for an aerospace company that has large federal government contracts and is required as part of that contract to maintain a constant monitoring of the, the cash of all the employees and the uh, that work for them. Um, so to go to any internet porn site is suicide. And literally we'll find out about it in one day, but that didn't bother me because what I did is I got an air card and w just binged. I went crazy for a weekend and then I threw my computer away and said that it was stolen and got a new one. Well, that's got a limited shelf life, but you can get the idea <laughs> of how insane I was. You know, uh, in, in the... In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in chapter 3, More on Alcoholism, it says, here are a few of the methods we have tried. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. And, and at the end it says, and we could increase the list ad infinitum. And I thought, God, how wonderful, because I've got lots of ad infinitum to add to that list. And the, the things that, that I have personally tried to control my Internet use, all the, the blocking, and, you know, like I said, it doesn't mean anything. But... I can tell you that for over a year now, I've been able to use the Internet with, with very, very little in the way of temptation. I have, no, I have a personal computer that has no security software on it whatsoever. And I, I don't feel that I'm whistling in the dark here. I fully understand how dangerous it is. But what I have found, that by surrendering the lust in my head, I don't get drunk. And when I'm not drunk with the power of God and I, I, couldn't overest, I couldn't overstate that if I was triplets uh, and the, the power of God brings me sanity and gives me power that I just don't have it's not me that's staying away from the stupid sites it's the power of God that enables me and where the rubber meets the road for me is between my ears each time as best as I'm able when I recognize lust attacking my brain that's when I get on the red phone to God that's when I surrender that. That's when I admit to him that I am utterly powerless over that thought. And if that thought gets past this part and into my lust furnace and converts it into the first drink, I'm done. I'm all done. The only chance I have is in that brief period of time between the time that I'm aware that I have, I'm having a lust thought 
and that I surrender to God. If He doesn't get it off of that conveyor belt before it falls into the furnace, I'm all done. I'm all done. The good news is, is that He's been doing that for a year and uh, I'm able to do things that I never think, thought that was possible. So, thanks for letting me share that. I'm David. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hey, um, I, I'm really grateful for all the sharing. It really uh, reminds me so much about how much the problem is just my own insanity, and uh, it's not really the internet. But one of the things that's really corrosive about um, internet stuff for me is that um, the more I, I hang around places that are, uh, you know, sites on the internet that are part of my addiction, the more I start to think that that's okay. Because there's a whole world of people out there, there's a whole community, if you want to call it, of people who practice and do and talk about and fantasize about whatever it is that I, you know, that my insanity goes to. And, and then I start to think that that's normal. And uh, I have to get out and away from all that, um, not only because of the you know where it takes me in terms of consequences, but because where it it starts to to uh, to mess with my or very quickly messes with my head and tells and 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 I start to think that, that that stuff is normal or it's okay or it's all right to do it, and that's compounded by in my own case by the fact that I haven't really had the consequences I've been because I work for myself and it hasn't impacted my career yet and it hasn't destroyed my family yet and I haven't got arrested yet so I start to think that I'm okay. And, you know, maybe I can play with this. And I've been in recovery for many years, and, you know, I've got some sobriety, so maybe it's okay. You know. But I have to remember that that's just total insanity. And, and, the, uh, and a large part of that insanity is this, this whole, is, is trying to attach myself to this whole world of people out there that are, that are, you know, whether they're addicts or not, it doesn't matter for me. The point is they're part of my addiction. And so I have to spend more time in meetings and more time in phone calls and recovery and more time, you know, in reading literature, whatever it is, the things that are part of my recovery and away from that insanity. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, I'm Christopher. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I've uh, begun to realize uh, the, the problems that I have with the Internet are deeper than just Lust, the real problem for me is I turn to an internet connection when I'm really hungry for a real connection, when I need to make a real connection. Um, and when I began to realize this was when I discovered that the same burning that I can get, the same feeling of uh, that pull or whatever towards lust uh, that I can get if I see images would sometimes come up in me when I would be online doing something else. And I'd, you know, I could be mm, trying to come up with a playlist of 90s, pop songs or something and get kind of obsessive about it and just I'd sit there and do that until this burning would start and I'd end up going looking at porn. Um, I could go shopping looking at books on Amazon um, trying to make up a reading list or something and, and suddenly end up with this weird feeling and off I'd go. Um, I also found myself at times like I just wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd be sitting in my room, I'd be isolated and I'd be like, well, Go to the computer. That was just my instinct, is to go to the computer to solve my problems. And I might not look at porn. I might go and I might sit there at Google and almost literally think, I might think I should type, what should I do with my life into Google? <laughs> like the Internet's going to answer these problems. You know? Um, and I'm, I'm really not kidding about that. Um, and uh, it began to dawn on me, you know, um, these are the moments where... <coughs> what I really need to do is I need to connect with somebody. I'm isolated, and it's a very dangerous position for me to be in. Um, to be doing anything on the Internet, turning to the Internet in any way, 
as a sort of comfort if I'm lonely or if I'm feeling like a failure or I don't know what to do with my life or whatever, unmanageable or, you know, a thing that feels overwhelming to me. Um, and I've just realized I can't be isolated with the computer. I, I use it as an isolating, um, you know, way to cope with feelings. Um, and it's unhealthy even if it's not porn. Um, it's unhealthy. It's those moments that I have to reach out or I'm in serious trouble. Um, so it's bigger than lust for me. Thanks. Thanks. We've got about five, maybe five minutes. So. I think I got four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff Iyer. I'm a sexaholic who enjoys sobriety. Uh, I'm not going to leave my occupation at the door. I'm a maintenance uh, electrician in a factory. Just set that up to start with. But at the height of my career as a, as a sexaholic, uh, I would spend many, many hours, I'm sure, I know, 8, 10, 12, maybe 16 a few times, I'm not sure, but way too much. And I work third shift. So, get home in the morning, be up, looking at internet porn, 4, 5, 6 o'clock that evening, go to sleep, sleep 2 or 3 hours, go back into work. Well, never dawned on me until today in the earlier seminar here, uh, Life and Death, they're talking about, and uh, then talking about the time on the Internet. And if I suddenly realize that, yeah, I remember something there, going into work kind of sleepy one night, and they're uh, working on 480 volts, and uh, I didn't shut the machine off first. Didn't power it down. My screwdriver slipped, and it went to ground. You want to see a hell of an arc? That'll give it to you. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't touching anything, and I was spared, literally spared. And as I think about that, boy, you know, that's coming pretty close to death. Uh, so it can, you know, you can lose your job, you can use, lose your life, you know, depending on maybe what you're doing. Uh, now I say I enjoy sobriety. Well, I've been in the program four years. At one year, I went out and celebrated and uh, acted out again after I got my one-year chip and I had to tell the wife and she'd come home. She was gone for a week and I told her about it. And we got that work through. I'm grateful she's been behind me. But what I like now is I got no filters, never had any filters on a computer, but I enjoy sobriety. Why? Because when the wife says, hey, we need to talk, I know she didn't find anything on the computer. I don't have to hide anything anymore. I don't have to cover things. I don't have to make sure I erase it. I don't go to bed and think, oh, did I, did I erase the history? I don't know. I better get up and check real quick before she comes home. I don't have to do any more of that. And it is such a relief to have that. And that's what I enjoy about sobriety. Maybe that's why I don't need the, the filters. I know it's dangerous. Yeah, the home page. Got a picture, you know, see what's happening on the global awards. Oh boy, I wonder what they were wearing. I, yeah, it's tempting. It's tempting. I'm not going to lie. It's not. But I made it through, and I'm happy, and I'm joyful, and uh, I'm glad that uh, my spouse stuck with me. And got to remember, couldn't be dangerous. And I'm not going to go there again. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm Lisa. I'm a sexaholic. Um, there are women who struggle with <laughs> internet. You'd be glad to know. Surprise. Um, but one of the things when I first started recovery, I had all of the filters and things that I put on my computer, and being having obsessive personality, then I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I could get around them and uninstalling everything on my computer to reinstall it on the same night um, to be able to get back on and having different people come over to set different passwords and then I would spend hours trying to figure out what it was that they sent the passwords to um, so that I could get in and on. So that um, became more of an obsession than probably even the pornography was for me in the beginning. So I figured out that wasn't working for me but one of the things that did have to happen is change email address. Um, and that was one thing that I had to have someone else change the password for. And I did spend some time trying to get back into it. Um, wasn't successful, and I'm very thankful to God to that. Um, but that was one very practical thing that I had to have happen because there was some connections and things on there that I, in beginning my recovery, was not strong enough to be able to withstand. And so having somebody... Um, to be able to go in and do that was very helpful. I am still able to use the internet. Um, I did learn for myself that it has to be about surrender because otherwise I do become obsessive and um, spend just as many hours and time trying to get around those things. So thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, share very quickly. Um, thanks, Ted, the guy from Brooklyn who shared. Uh, especially uh, going to any length, something that really hit me hard. I've had to get rid of my laptop, any kind of phone I have which has internet access or services, and a TV. I don't have any of these media sources anymore. Um, someone, a friend, shared with me, it would be like, it's like a drug addict carrying a packet of marijuana in his pocket. And that's what it was like for me. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. <coughs> JD, sexaholic. Grateful for all of you that have shared. Thanks very much. Um, we do have Sexaholics Anonymous does have a new brochure. I'm not sure if they have it. I was not able to check before I came in, but okay, they're on the table. Uh, it's called Sexaholics Anonymous. Do you have a problem with pornography or lust on the internet? And you know the questions. Fantastic. Good tool. Not not perfect, but a great tool. So uh, let's stand and close with the. Uh, for those who wish, uh, close with the Lord's Prayer. <coughs> prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Sure, absolutely. How you doing, JD? Yeah, I'm
Yeah, yeah, I think I'm at you. Where are you from? Yeah, I think I'm at you. 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 Yeah, Grateful. Yeah. Really grateful. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I'm going to take the fact that our home is still there. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, your best source for experience, strength, and hope from the SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choose either monthly or a one-time donation. Music was provided by Matt P. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.